Hi everyone, I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleashed the Game Changers. Today our guest is a teacher, is a journalist and also a trans woman and we're going to talk about gender ideology. Thank you Debbie Hayton for being here with us. Thank you for inviting me Paola. So first of all, I want to tell you that I think you are brave, really brave, because I know how hard it is for a trans woman to, you know, step up and, and be on the side of a gender critical, you know, uh, people and not on the side of uh, the more extreme trans activists. So for, for, for the people who don't really know about gender ideology, um, how could you describe this new ideology uh, that is going on actually from quite a few years and, uh, and your position? Well, gender ideology is really at its basis of how do you, it's, it's a different way of dividing society into men and women. For since the dawn of time, we've used biological sex. Yes. So there's two sexes. We all know what the male sex is and we all know what the female sex is and we all know the difference between them. And it's not just human beings that know the difference. Uh, animals know the difference between the, the two kinds as yeah. well. So this, this goes back a long, long way. Uh, but what gender ideology does is it takes away that idea, it sweeps it aside and introduces this thing called gender identity. Yeah. So we all have a gender identity. So people who believe in this ideology, yeah. of course, they pretend we all have a gender identity, correct? Yeah, we all have a gender identity and it's something that only we can know. It's, mm -hmm. it's inside our heads. A bit like a, it's a bit like a soul, you know, like a religious soul. Yeah. So we have this thing inside our heads, only we can know about it, and that determines whether we're a man or we're a woman, or perhaps neither, or perhaps both. But help me, Debbie, because it's really difficult to understand really for a person who actually doesn't believe in gender stereotypes, you know. Why they think everyone has a gender you know, identity? It comes from gender stereotypes, so it comes from an idea of what a woman is and what a man is from our society? Yes, it is. And when we're trying to, when we're trying to talk about what gender identity is, this concept that we've got, we then have to try and define it. And it's really difficult to define. And legislators have tried to uh, enact laws in gender yeah. with gender identity. And generally they say something like, the gender your gender identity is the, uh, is the gender you identify as. So it's circular, you know, it, it's all circular. And when we're looking for evidence of this, we're looking at how we conform to sexist stereotypes. So if you present yourself in a different way, that's what women do. Yeah. So it's inherently sexist. Uh, absolutely. This is what I think, because I would like to burn down you know, yeah. all the stereotypes. Because you know, as, as a woman, you know, I know that we were oppressed for centuries you know, because of our sex. Because we, we should have been like the idea of what a woman was. So, you know, cooking, cleaning the house, being kind, you know, calm and humble and don't speak up, don't go into politics, don't do all this stuff. And as a feminist, you know, I think uh, we are going backwards with this ideology, not, you know, further as we should. Well, we are going backwards, but worse women are losing the language to, dis to describe that oppression. Yes. Because what you said there, Paula, is that you, you're oppressed because of your sex. Yeah. If we remove this concept of sex, then it, you lose the language which you need to describe that oppression. It's true. But you're not going to stop the oppression. Exactly, that's the point. It's an illusion, correct? Because unfortunately, you know, women, they don't stop to be oppressed because we know, as an example, we are uh, discriminated against when we, we want to be hired. Sometimes, you know, they don't even want to hire us because we can get pregnant, we can have children, you know, so it's horrible what's happening. 
I think maybe uh, gender ideology should be, you know, an ideology that goes well in an utopian world, an utopian society, where there's no sex discrimination. But in this society, it's kind of a nonsense. It's a nonsense and it's also dangerous because in human society we do have to uh, safeguard, and I don't mean the official HR safeguarding, you know, yeah. official safeguarding, but just the informal safeguarding which we do sure. as human beings. So for example, I, I've got, I have three children and they're all, they're all grown up now, mm. but when they, were, when, they, when they were small, I always used to tell them that if you get lost in a crowd, go find a woman and, yeah. and go find a woman and tell them that you're lost and not a man because we all know that some men pose a particular hazard and we can't tell the difference between most most men don't Absolutely. but you can't you can't pick out the potential abusers so yeah. because of that we uh, we we safeguard men and women differently now what gender ideology does is it says that this doesn't matter and it's dangerous because we lower those we lower those safeguarding uh, uh, rules and those safeguarding precautions and it's uh, yes. well it, it's going to open the door an abuser who's wanting to abuse is going to look for any weakness in safeguarding that they can possibly find absolutely and thank you for saying that because you know I mean uh, you are still a biological man correct I mean this is how you feel right yeah well yes yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm biologically male yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a science teacher yeah. so, <laughs> So, uh, so there's I, no doubt in that. And you still can say that there is a problem with male violence. And, uh, and we all know that, you know, but this is kind of a taboo. Every time we say, you know, oh, domestic violence, like it's some kind of violence that comes from the bricks or the roof. No, it's male violence, the majority. Of course, there is sometimes, you know, a small percentage of, you know, female violence, but the, the broad majority is male violence. So yeah. we have a problem. Our society still has a problem with this type of violence. Yes, well, all human beings can be violent, but the, uh, the power difference and the, the power relationship between men and women, we know these things. And, but we're trying, some people are trying to deny that's actually happening. And it's almost, it's almost like saying that if everybody is nice to everybody, society will be a nice place to, uh, yeah, nice place to live in. In well, our dreams. It, but it <laughs> I is, would love that. <laughs> it is, it's utopian, because there are some people who are not very nice, and we know that. And if we, if we deny it, we're being very foolish. Exactly. And also when I debate, you know, with some trans activists, I notice that they believe, strongly believe, that just by declaring yourself that, you know, you are a woman and not a man, you become, Im immediately, you become like an angel. So they're all good, all nice people. Is it true? Trans women are all angels? Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> we're human beings. And we can't, we, well, this is the problem, you see, because they're trying to deny their sex. They're trying to deny the fact that uh, they are male. Uh, they may find it upsetting or it causes them distress, but this is the truth. And if we're, uh, if, if we're upset or distressed by the truth, then really, you know, we, really people perhaps could go for some counselling to try and get over that, right? rather than trying yeah. to change the rest of society to share their... Uh, Exactly. exactly. So we're talking about a delusional movement, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for pointing it out. But tell me, um, Debbie, it was hard for you, right, to, to step up and, and just say that you, everything that you just told to me. Uh, did you receive abuse from the trans community? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I do. I do get abuse. 
from trans, transgender activists. The worst people are the trans allies, especially male trans allies, who are eager to uh, eager to protect trans women, eager to speak up for trans women. So they're not trans themselves; no. they're but, allies. But very, 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 very eager to uh, step up to support trans women, especially trans women who are being uh, who they perceive to be being persecuted by women. Interesting. And I can't help but think that some of these men are using trans women. They, they don't really care about trans women, yeah. but they want to be. Uh, they want. They want. They want to, They want to unleash their misogyny, and this is a shield for their. Uh, this is a shield for their misogyny, and because I'm rather difficult to uh, to fit into this, that I do get. I do get. Yes, my, my share. My share of abuse, but. It, it happens. It's terrible, mainly online, on Twitter, where, where you're very vocal, or also in the real world outside Twitter. It's mainly online. It's it's uh, it's mainly online, but it spills over. Twi Twitter is such a horrible medium, yeah. where we we just dehum we, people just act in a almost a, a dishum. They de everybody's dehumanized. It seems to me, and we don't people don't treat others as human beings with different opinions. So Twitter is just horrible. And uh, from there, things can spill out, and I, I do get abuse on Twitter. I just, I just mute it. I, you uh, just I, don't care. I just, I just ignore it. But uh, the people who are in opposition to my ideas uh, do. It does spill out into real life. So my 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 employer gets complaints. It's because, unbelievable. So people write to my employer and say that uh, I'm, a, you know, I'm a wicked transphobe who. Uh, Shouldn't be you, uh, a transphobe. Yes, I'm a transphobe. <laughs> oh so we, wicked, wicked, transphobic, horrible bigots who shouldn't be in a job. Uh, so my employer, my employer gets those letters. So I'm dependent on my employer to be uh, supportive, and they are. Uh, mm. My employer does support me, but in real life, there's there's actually very little. There really, there really is. And yeah, people uh, are actually kind in real life. Yeah, and and we live in a tolerant society. We yes. try and paint this idea that the UK has become this transphobic uh, cesspit. It's not true. But it isn't. They're all lies. Honestly, yeah. I really don't like all these lies. And they're all promoted by, especially by these charities, Stonewell yeah. or Mermaids. Yeah. They want to picture, you know, that there is a danger for trans people to go around. They get murdered. But unfortunately, they're using the data from Brazil yes. mainly. So they're really confusing people, and I honestly think they're not doing a good job for people like you, you know, for trans women and also for trans men, because we never talk about trans men, but they exist. And actually now they are the majority, because we know that it's actually a problem of girls. Yeah. So Debbie, what do you think this ideology is doing to our children? It's having a dreadful impact on children. Uh, it's having an impact on women's rights, but children are suffering especially. Yes. Uh, children are being told that they can choose their sex. Children are being told that... Uh, Such a lie. It is. We can't change our biological sex. No. We can't. No. You can feminize no. yourself or masculinize yourself, no. and that's fine, you know, if you want to get along with the surgery, with the hormones. And you know that it's not easy, right? It's not an easy path. Yeah. But we're telling, and especially girls, we're telling, we're telling teenage girls that if they're anxious about being women, they don't feel feminine. I'm not sure anybody really feels feminine, but society tells them that that there is a feminine feeling. If they don't feel that, uh, girls are identifying as boys or non-binary, but not not as women. And the, ideo the, the ideology tells them that uh, uh, they they can choose their sex and they can choose to identify out of their sex, and they can't. We're telling them lies.
I'm pleased that you say that we can't change our sex because I know this is a lie that these ideologies, you know, keep saying like it's a mantra, you know, like it's normal to do that. Can we talk about your personal story? Because I know you transitioned quite a long time ago and can you please tell us what happened? Well, when I transitioned, I, I did think I was some kind of woman. I wouldn't have transitioned if I hadn't done. I was in, I was in psychological distress about my body. Uh, I didn't like it, I wanted to change it, and I wanted it to resemble a woman's body. That's what I wanted and I, I needed. And the and I've been led to believe that this was because I was some kind of woman. And it makes sense. I can, I can understand why people think that. Can I, can I ask you, of course, I, I, definitely, I definitely know that it's possible, but can I ask you something? Do you think it was maybe related to uh, pornography and somehow, because I know now, you know, pornography is widespread all over, you know, on the internet. And I know many people eventually they come up with this idea after they were exposed to a lot of pornography. Do you think that might have been maybe one cause or maybe you were depressed or maybe you had other issues? What, what, what did it for me was, be, was becoming aware of other transsexual people transitioning. Uh, I'd been desperate to be, a, I, I, I wanted to be a girl when I, was, when I was very young, when I was a young boy, I wanted to be a girl. And this, this was persistent throughout, throughout life. I didn't understand it. It was something to be deeply ashamed of and something I, I kept down. Uh, I've always tried to avoid pornography. Uh, I don't think it's helpful and I can see that it's addictive. I've come across it as I think most people have in society, but tried to, tried to stay away from it. But what I found increasingly difficult to stay away from was talking to other people who had transitioned. And for me, we're going back now to about 2008, 2009, and that's the dawn of social media. So suddenly, I'm in a situation, I'm moving out of necessary social circle, which is my family, the people who live in the same street as me, the people I work with. There was nobody else who was transsexual yeah. in, those, in those, so it was just me. But then suddenly along comes social media and you can find people who are like you. And yeah. suddenly you start talking, suddenly I was starting talking to other people who had transitioned and who were thinking of transitioning. And what made the difference was that when I realised that people like me could transition. Before then, it had been something exotic and... Yeah, uh, you could have you know, never thought It was something that. that happened in the movies and uh, in the paper. It wasn't, it wasn't people like me didn't transition. But around 2008, 2009, I was aware that people were transitioning and I desperately, desperately wanted to do it too. I was quite happy. If it was impossible, I would have shrugged my shoulders and said, don't do it. You can't do it. But when I knew that it was possible, and when I knew that other people were doing it, I needed to do that too. And it was, and, and this was a very deep need. And that's what I see going. That's what I see going on in children. So what, what I suffered when I was uh, in my early forties, that is now what children are experiencing at ten, eleven, twelve when they come across social media. And and they do. You know, children are not supposed to use social media until they're thirteen, sure. but. Yeah, they do even but they do. earlier. Uh, so that's what, but in my own personal experience, it was knowing that other people were transitioning, knowing that the treatment was available, and I desperately wanted to do it. And you started with hormones, correct? Uh, I was a, an NHS patient, so I, uh, I realised I had problems, so I went to the, uh, uh, I was referred to the gender clinic. The wait lists were not like they are now. Now it's, it, it, they're swamped. 
Going back 10 years, uh, my GP referred me. I went to the gender clinic. At first time, I turned up in my... I'd, I'd gone straight from work, so a suit and tie, and said, I said, you know, uh, I want to transition. Uh, and they said, go away, change your name, transition, change your social presentation, come back, and then we might think about offering you some hormones to support. Mm -hmm. So no, I did the uh, I did the social transition first before hormones. Okay. I so understand. social transition first. I grew my hair out, changed my name, changed my wardrobe a bit. And your wife? What uh, what she said oh, to you? It, it was, was difficult. Yeah, it was horrible for her, and I was so self-absorbed at the time. I really. I, I, re I, I was unaware of how difficult she was finding it. I, I knew she was finding it difficult. Yeah. And uh, she was asking me to slow down in this because it was, it was like going down a, a, a slope which was getting steeper for me. Yeah. The further I went, the more I needed to do it, which went further. And then I, I transitioned. And for, for my partner, Stephanie, she found that really difficult. That I'm sure. I wasn't able even to uh, to slow down when she, she could have left you correct i mean yeah yeah and you were fine with that you you took the risk uh yeah it's difficult thinking about this was ten, this was 10 years ago and our it, it was probably a huge understatement to say that it was the most difficult part difficult time that our marriage was in in our marriage sure. it was it was huge it really was uh can I ask you, uh, you kept uh, a sexual life after that, or now you're... It's... Uh, I know it's... it's no, uh, Steph, it's Steph, 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 Stephanie has, has spoken on this. It was as, as, as transitioned approached, our, that, that side of our marriage uh, stopped. So, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, many other marriages, yeah. they, they don't have a sexual life yeah. anyway. Be you know, people they don't talk about, but it's the truth. Yeah. So you made an agreement. Correct. That to stay married and you, you still love each other. But yeah. 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 So yeah. it's it was it it was it was. Really, it's understandable. It was it was it was. Yeah. I I can't. You know. I I, I say it was really difficult. Just it sounds like I'm trivialising things. No, 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 no. But uh, it's totally understandable, Debbie. And I I'm I'm really happy that you are here today talking about this. You know, because I think this helps a lot of people also to understand. You know what uh, someone can go through. And I'm sure you heard about, you know, uh, people talking about gender dysphoria and autogynephilia. What do you think about this? Do you think it exists, autogynephilia? Do you think uh, it's the same thing of uh, being gender dysphoric? Well, it's what these things mean. I don't, I don't think that gender, gender mm. identity exists. I think it's a, a, an unnecessary invention. But then we talk about what is gender dysphoria itself. It was, it was created as a diagnosis yeah. in order to access the treatment. It was a gender identity disorder. Yeah. Once it yeah. was considered so, like that. Yeah. It was a dis it was an identity disorder linked to gender. So it was it was descriptive, but that was seen as uh, unkind uh, an unkind term. So they created this diagnosis called gender dysphoria. But really, it, all it means is is this insatiable need and urge to transition. Yeah. And that's all it means is gender dysphoria. So so I don't think we even need. The term gender dysphoria, apart from the uh, med the the medics need a diagnosis in order to uh, recommend the treatment. But Debbie, in a world and in a society where men could have you know dressed as they please, you know have you know long guns, you know uh, long hair, makeup, and in a world where everything would have been normal, completely normal, 
do you think you would have a transition or do you think maybe you would have just start presenting yourself uh, in, in this way? Uh, well, it's, it's what human society is and, and as human beings, how we're, uh, how we're, how we're made and it's, in our, it's our, in our nature. And I'm not, sure it's, I'm not sure it's as easy to reach that utopia either because I think, I think, we, I think we're human beings. And I think we're uh, getting there, slowly, yeah. but hopefully yeah. <laughs> we will get yeah. there. But yeah. you, men you mentioned autogynophilia, what that is, yeah. and that's something which, is, which I think exists. And I think it drives a lot of male to female uh, transsexualism. So the, the gender dysphoria is caused by autogynophilia. You know, it's not. Can we explain what it is? What autogynophilia? Autogynophilia was a term coined by Ray Blanchard, who is a American Canadian uh, psychologist who worked with trans people, and he uh, said that it was a it was a sexual attraction to yourself. Yeah. So. so you get excited, let's say, when you picture yourself uh, as yeah. a woman yeah. having uh, yeah. having sex as a woman, correct? Yeah. So, men men can be attracted. Men can be sexually attracted to most things, and uh, and most men are attracted to women. Different parts, you know, different parts of women. Men men have different sexual preferences about women's bodies, but men are men are attracted to women. Now. The uh, what auto, the autogynophilic male is sexually attracted to themselves. It just happens to be that their own body, our own bodies, are a focus of our sexual interest. And do you think it was your case as well? Well, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's clear that do was going on, and that that explains the need to transition, because I'm heterosexual. Yeah. I, I'm attracted to I'm attracted to female to female bodies. Yeah. I'm attracted to my wife. You know, men, men, men are attracted to, yeah. men can be attracted to more than one woman. So I can be, I, I'm attracted to my wife, I, I find other women attractive, uh, but I also find my, I'm also attracted to my own body. Sure. But I'm a heterosexual, but this body was male. And that was where the urge to transition came from, to, to change this body into a form which, I, you know, I'm, it, it it, yeah. Matt, it was sympathetic to the attraction I, I felt for it. And it was a circle I couldn't square. And what about uh, um, the surgery? So I, I heard uh, that uh, there is a lot of euphoria before, but then after some people, they regret that. But they think maybe, you know, I've done that, just get on with that. Which is your experience? It was painful, did you regret? I don't regret, I don't regret the surgery. At the time, it was something I desperately needed. I had a very quick referral to the gender clinic. They said go away, and, and I did go back when I transitioned that they did prescribe hormones. But then I had a two-year wait for gender surgery, and that was really difficult. This was something I needed. I needed to be myself. I was I was dressing in a way I could. I had the illusion of a of this body I was attracted to, but I knew as soon as I took my clothes off, it was it was it was the same. So I I desperately desperately needed that surgery. Uh, I had the surgery in February 2016 and as I said before I was an NHS patient yeah. and at the NHS hospital they make you walk to the operating theatre. Uh, partly it's, it saves bringing two porters out to wheel you on a trolley and as I said there is nothing wrong with you, you're perfectly capable of walking but it does, it focuses the mind a bit when you're walking through the hospital from the ward all the way through the hospital to the operating theatre and you knock on the door and there's the anaesthetic room and the anaesthetist says, lie down here. 
you lie down there, he says, are you sure about this? Yeah. And at that point, I was, I was sure. And when I woke up three hours later, I was still sure that this was the right thing to do. Now, are you still sure? Uh, looking back, I needed, it was something I needed to do at the time. But if I knew now what I, if I knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't have gone through it. That's interesting. And thank you for your honesty. So what do you know now that you didn't know at the time? Uh, I didn't understand the theory of autogynophilia at the time. I, I knew about it, but it was something which I rejected because I found it, it's much easier telling yourself you are some kind of woman who has had the misfortune to be trapped inside a male body. It's not your fault. You know, there's, no, there's nothing to be ashamed of there. You, you know, society, you know, nature's dealt you this really rough hand and you're doing your best to rectify the situation. So that's easy to explain. From an auto, the idea of autogynephilia says that I'm a man who is sexually attracted to his own body and that is so shameful to be, you know, for men to be attracted to their own bodies. It's bad that it's shameful, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I, I was reading Kathleen Stock, amazing, wonderful yeah. book, Material Girls, and uh, towards the end she makes this point. She thinks in a society where we should uh, uh, put less shame in men who have this, you know, uh, autogynephilia, eventually we'll have more, you know, comprehension and, uh, and we'll have less, uh, you know, extremist but, ideologists and less maybe transitionists, you know, yeah. because they, they would accept their body and their, you know, sexual need more. I think, I, I think, uh, I think Kathleen's right. I think uh, shame is, shame is such a dreadful emotion. Yeah, for but, everyone, not but, only for... But it's very effective in controlling male sexuality. Yeah. And male sexuality, if allowed to, uh, if unleashed unchecked, can be very, can be, uh, can be very damaging. So shame does... Shame is a way of uh, controlling male sexuality. Yeah. I used to say that I, transi I, uh, uh, I, I transitioned because... I, I used to talk about the expectations that society had on me, but really it was the, expe the, 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 the hardest person to convince was always myself. The big, my biggest critic was myself. You know, the, the, uh, the stresses were all coming with, from within. So after uh, your surgery, you, you thought for a while that you were a real woman, correct? And yeah, then because you, you... I changed my sex characteristics. Yeah. And I told myself if I'd been, and, uh, how my body looks now, if I'd been born like that, yeah. well, I wouldn't be because I'm, I'm an adult, but if, if you see what I mean, I, I, I would have been assigned female at birth. To use the yeah. uh, to use the jargon, yeah. so therefore I, I I was some kind of woman because I'd had this surgery. But then you met another trans woman. Then then, well, it was at the time in 2016 when this ideology was starting to uh, starting to become uh, to become dominant, yeah. and uh, and and people were talking about it, and we were moving away from the idea that you were a trans woman because you'd had gender surgery and you'd done something to your body, to you were a trans woman because you had this gender identity. Yeah, it's a feeling. Yeah, this feeling. Yeah. And I, I, I became involved in this political debate because I felt that this was, this was going to weaken the uh, protections for transsexuals. I think you did. Transsexuals, the assumption had been that if you were transsexual, you'd either had gender surgery or you desperately wanted it. Yeah. Uh, there was few of us around. And if we, ha if we have had hormone therapy, our hormones are in the normal female range. So we do, I, I don't think we present the same risk as women. 
but we probably to arguably we present a different risk to to men yeah. so but that was swept aside with this idea was you are who you feel you are and I, I thought that was I thought that was going to damage my rights as a transsexual yeah so now just to clarify to the public if they don't know this uh, so now uh, who is considered trans woman or trans man any, not, any, not only people who did the no, transition, the surgery, but every, everyone. Anybody, anybody who identifies as a trans woman. Yeah. The only, the, there's, there's two criteria to be a trans woman. One is, uh, one is you identify as a trans woman. Yeah. So it's like I, I, you know, I identify as a trans woman, whatever that means. And secondly, you're male. The only people who are not allowed to be trans women are women. Yeah. Because women are female and you're already a woman. If you, do you see what I mean? You know, it's mind-blowing, honestly. <laughs> I understand yeah. why some people, they just give up. They're like, yeah. okay, I don't want to know, because it's too confusing. The problem is that, like this, we're giving free uh, road to a lot of uh, men who actually are taking advantage of this, you know, because if we think about prisons, you know, if we think about a rapist or a killer who is, you know, is going to uh, a man's prison and eventually wants to have a better time. You know, he wants to be housed in a female's prison. So it, it takes one second, right, to say, oh no, I feel uh, I identify as a woman. So maybe he can change his mind when he comes out of prison, correct? But while uh, he's there, he can have a better time. Do you think this is a risk? Uh, it's, it's an obvious risk, isn't it? You know, what we've done is we've taken a, a small group of men uh, who, who transition, and transsexuals have been placed in women's prisons for for many years. Uh, back to the 1970s, there's a documented case from way for, of, a, of a trans woman being, being incarcerated in a women's prison. This happened. Yeah. Uh, but it always used, the, the rules always used to be that you had to, uh, you had to have gender surgery and that, that puts, that, that would put a lot of people off. Yeah. But when you, when you change, when you change, the, when you change the rules and you change the, uh, you, you change the entry criteria to be a trans woman, then that, that changes the game completely. That's and, the problem. And what we do, what, what, was, what, was, what was offered to us as transsexuals was to lower those safeguarding protections. So in society where there's men and women, we treat men and we do, we always treat men and women differently. We, we risk assess men and women differently, you know, just informally in, in our heads. So, you know, if... You know, if a woman, you know, women will tell me if they're walking home at night and a woman's following them, they, they won't feel too anxious about it. If a man's following them, of course, they'll feel very anxious. So we, and they better do. <laughs> yeah. So we feel we, we risk assess men and women differently. Yeah. So for 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 uh, two generations, transsexuals were risk assessed in the same way as women. So this is a huge problem. Yeah. For our women in prisons right now, absolutely. in England, in Scotland, yes. in California, in Canada, yeah. in many other yes. states, it's a Ab huge problem. Absolutely. Because and they're housed with the rapists, where, you know, killers, with the pedophiles, correct? Yeah. This is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. This is what happened. Yeah. Male, of course, male-bodied. Yeah. And what we're, saying, what, what we're saying is, this is a safeguarding weakness. Now, it's wrong to say that tran trans people are by definition potential abusers were probably in the absence of other evidence mm. we're, we're as likely to be abusers as any other male people yeah but if you're already a rapist maybe you yeah. are yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but if you're I mean, uh, it's, yeah it's quite certain yeah. actually but if you've mm. got a weakness in safeguarding that is going to attract mm. any abuser yeah. 
because abusers will look for any uh, yeah. any weakness in safeguards they can find. Yeah, it looks like our politicians, they wash their hands, correct? They, they, they just don't want to deal with the problem, so they thought, okay, this is a, a women's problem, we don't care. So well, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. the usual misogyny. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, during centuries, all, all the time, you know, it's, uh, it's always women yeah. who have to deal with these problems uh, until I think uh, our politicians would decide to invest more money in the prison system and to find another solution. Do yeah. you think it would be possible to find another well, solution? Well, we need to find another solution because it's unacceptable to put uh, sex offend male of sex course. offenders in women's prisons. It, that's, un that's unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, we need another solution, but these solutions cost money. So it's, I, I, I would imagine that it's very, it would be very difficult to place me in a, in a men's prison. I know transsexuals who 40 years ago were refused entrance to, to men's prisons because the prison doctor said, it, this person will be unsafe. You know, and I can't, I, I can't uh, allow this. And so that, yeah, but yeah, but because you are uh, like a real, let's say, you know, transsexual. I'm sorry to to say real, but it's for me, it's the truth. You know, there is a difference. You know, uh, look at the case of Karen White. Yep. Uh, thankfully, they put her or he back. Sorry, <laughs> to to another to a male prison, because this man not only was a rapist before, but then he started abusing women when he was put in, you know, into jail. So it's horrible what it he is. Did. And what ha what, what what happened with Karen White was just was just exemplified, uh, which was a dreadful which yeah. was a dreadful policy, which essentially said you can choose the prison you want to go to. Exactly. And for a male sex offender to choose to go to a men's prison or a women's prison, well. Which one are they going to choose? Exactly. Thank you. you know, Thank you, are, Debbie. What are these people thinking? Yeah. We should. But, we should. Uh, yeah. We should definitely uh, forbid yeah. uh, killers, you know, rapists, and everything to change their gender when they're already in prison. I'm sorry. Uh, you you yeah. went there as a man. Uh, but uh, there you was. Ke you keep it that. that our, our politicians are mm. beginning to debate this. There was uh, recently. Yeah, there they was, better there do was that. A, there was a debate mm. in Parliament recently yeah. about that very about that about that very issue to prevent. Uh, uh, there was an amendment made to some to the police bill mm. to uh, prevent uh, male sexual and violent criminals being yeah. placed in women's prisons. Yeah, of course. But the amendment was withdrawn to be to be thought about. It, it's hard because the law the law has changed and policies changed, and if you're you're you you know you've described me as a as a real transsexual you know that the it's not it's it's not terminology I would use actually but you you've used that but you're making a distinction between somebody who's had gender surgery and somebody who hasn't well the law doesn't allow you to make those distinctions because if it did it would be requiring people to have gender surgery and then become sterilized because yeah. that implies sterilization yeah we could use another word yeah. honestly they're but, inventing so many words we but, could we could invent another word yeah. you know to make a distinguish yeah. you know between you and uh, other people who didn't but go through surgery it's not permitted to mm. force people to be sterilized in order to access the benefits i understand so yeah. that that's the problem we're in so i don't think you can put any trans people mm. in women's prisons but uh can you uh if we're not safe in men's prisons, we're not safe in, and it's inappropriate to put us in women's prisons, then we need a, a special, a yeah, special unit. Special. But this, this costs money. And what you said is... We should invest this money yeah. to save these women, you know, yeah. uh, who are in these prisons. And usually, you know, they're the most discriminated ones of the society. And many times they are also victims of the abuse. Yeah. So I feel very, very sorry yeah. for what's happening to them, you know, and I think it's good that you speak up mm -hmm. for them as well, you know, that I speak up for them and all these amazing feminists that we have uh, in the United Kingdom. Yeah. There's really a 
you know, the turf island, as they call it, <laughs> I think yeah. is a great compliment, you know, even though yeah. this uh, horrible, you know, slower turf was invented. Of course, only referred to women, of course, because not men, you know, there are no turf men. Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, yeah. It's, as uh, usual. It's, it's an attack on women, is that yeah. one turf? It's, uh, what do you think about detransitioning, Debbie? Well, what would detransition mean for me? This, the, people have asked me about this. They say, well, look, Debbie, you wear this T-shirt that says trans women and men get over it. You're quite happy. You know, we ask you which pronouns you prefer and you say you really don't mind. And I don't mind. You can use whichever pronouns you like. If you're more comfortable using female pronouns, for me, use female pronouns. If others are more comfortable using male pronouns, it, it, it doesn't bother me. Uh, so, so I announce, I, I say this. I don't think I'm any sort of woman. So when I say, you know, what would it mean for me to detransition? Uh, I, I do like my body as it is now, and 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 there are some bits which have been chopped off that can't be stuck back. So you know, the thing, you know, it's changed, and I, I like it. I like it this way. So I, I, I would have no 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 need to change, uh, no reason to change my body. And it's good because I can see that you are in peace with yourself, right? Unfortunately, we know that uh, other people, eventually, they are distressed before the uh, surgery. They are distressed also mm. after. You know, many times uh, it doesn't help with their dysphoria. So yeah, because it doesn't, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't change anything. All it does is change your body. It, and it doesn't necessarily change the way that other people feel about feel, and, and see you. Because they don't, they, don't, yeah. they don't see your body. No, and also, you know, the problem is that uh, if you do that when you're very young, if you never had an orgasm, they say that you would never have a functional sexual life. Yep. And I think that's really sad, you know, because we all want, you know, our children to have, you know, happiness and a normal, you know, functional sexual life. Not to mention to have children, right? So you went through that. You had children yeah. as well. So you're, you're quite complete as a person. Yeah, I'd... I'd I'd already been sterilized. I'd already yeah. had a vasectomy. So yeah. when I had gender surgery, I'd you know my uh, you know I, I'd had all the children I wanted to have, so I didn't lose that. But yes, we're going back to the children, the impact on children. Some children who have been dragged into this uh, are suffering psychological torment because yeah. the treatment which they've been promised will solve all the problems is being denied exactly. for one reason or other. So they're in psychological torment. You know, they've been promised the world and then it's been yeah. withheld from yeah. them. Uh, but there's other children who have been put on puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, uh, from before, for, uh, from, and, and not gone through the natural puberty. And you're right, they, they, they can never have children, yeah. so they're sterile. Uh, there's, you know, there's talk about... And that's for sure, function. right? It's real. Because yeah, unfortunately, you, some, some trans yeah, activists, they, think uh, it's a, they say it's a lie. Yeah, you've... Yeah, but it's real. Yeah, they can't have children, you know. Yeah, if you yeah, if you if you if you if you do not go through natural puberty, you're not going to have children, and it's yeah. It, we're telling these children lies. It's yes. we, we tell children about Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, yeah. and we're telling them this as well. But and they believe it, and I think it's I think it's I, th I think that is is so wrong. The uh, but the impact on the impact on children who've had the surgery, and shockingly it's it doesn't work very well with with uh, with children there's the case of jazz jennings the yeah. american transitioner who you know the uh, you know born male from a very early age parents identified this cross-sex behavior from very young so jazz jennings was the poster child for this yeah. uh, puberty blockers cross-sex hormones 
and then uh, gender surgery on you know on the 18th birthday and the search but the problem is that surgery this the surgery depends upon the parts to actually uh, reform it, it's all it's all moving things around so, so if you don't have enough skin you need, in your penis yeah, you need basically you, yeah. basically you take the penile skin yeah. and uh, you turn it inside out and that that then lines yeah. the your vagina if you don't if you've never been through male puberty there's just nothing there so what which what well, are they using it, which well, skin take, are they using they take bits of the uh, abdominal lining uh, sometimes sometimes they use bits of uh, bits of the uh, colon, they use bits of the colon. I heard about that, but it's uh, terrible. Yeah, it's, it doesn't work very well. It because it keeps smelling, right? Yeah. Uh, and and the, the biggest thing, the, and so it doesn't work very well. It needs regular dilation. It's, it's, just, not, it, it's just far from ideal. And what happened in Jazz Jennings's case, uh, I've, I've followed this from the TV program that's, that, was, mm. that was produced, is that they had to take bits of skin from all over uh, stitch these together, and it didn't. It didn't. It didn't take. Mm. So you're left with a non. You just in a situation where the, the you know the the standard gender surgery assumes you have the tissue to turn yeah. inside out, and uh, it's just it's just criminal, really. It I, is think, criminal. I think it is. I think it's criminal. You're right. Yeah. I've used that word, and it's a pejorative word, but I'm looking here thinking, as a society, why are we allowing yeah. these children to be such yeah. a an experiment yeah it's a medical scandal I think it's a medical scandal and especially in the US unfortunately they're making a huge amount of money out of this mm -hmm. because I think these children they're seen as the best clients because they want to sell them hormones for their whole life you know they want yeah. to use their you know medical insurance to get paid uh, a huge amount of money for these operations and, and this is all on the skins of children children who might change their mind correct yeah. because everyone can change their mind I mean I made a, you know my my show about change you know <laughs> because it's good changing is good so I think we should all be open about changing and changing again changing back changing forward you know but if you if you don't allow someone to have his you know body functioning you know this is criminal you're yeah. right this yeah. is the right word yeah. and also can we because i i don't really understand but can a person who goes through surgery both again um, a man to female but a, a woman to to man can can they have an orgasm or it's impossible to have anymore no you can you can yeah okay so if the surgery is good yeah you can uh, also for a trans man uh i do you know some trans men? I don't know. Have I, you ever uh, I, 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 I do. I, I do know some trans men, but it's not. It's not a question. It's not a question uh, of asking. I know it's. <laughs> uh, you, you would, you would need, you would need to ask them. I can only, sure. I can only speak yeah, for myself. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you know the uh, the joke works. You, you, uh, you, you, you're looking for. It's the carpentry, the plumbing, and the electrics, and they, they do all work. Okay. But. But again, because it, it, you were adult and yeah. you, you had, uh, yeah. uh, I guess, a good surgery. Yeah. And you are told that you are warned in advance that uh, you move, you, you know, you move bits around, you, you move parts around, you uh, take things around, things are slipped through and moved, and nerves can sometimes not reattach. And if they don't reattach, you'll be so. left without sexual function. And I was told it was... Uh, one in ten chance that sort of chance it was it was yeah. when when you're told when, when you sign when you sign the declaration before surgery you're told there's a there's there's a small but but possible chance of uh 
of prolapse. Prolapses are, uh, you warned about those. Uh, you warned about fistulas are the worst. You warned about fistulas, you warned about prolapses, those are serious things. So it's quite dangerous yeah, surgery. Yeah, you, you warned about things, things which are, 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 are swell. You, you, yeah. you, you warned about swelling can mean that you, you have problems urinating after surgery. And I did, I, had some, I, had some, I was rushed back into a hospital after I was discharged. So you warned about all those, but, but sexual function is one in the middle. Yeah. There's, a, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a good chance of it happening. And, uh, and, it, and it does. I do, I do know people who never had any more sexual function after surgery. And they're distressed about that, I guess. Yeah, well, you lose something. Yeah. yeah. But the surgery, doesn't, it doesn't change who you are. This, this is the problem. And, you, and you, you've said that some people still feel distressed. It doesn't make the dysphoria go away. Yeah, that, that's the point, right? Because... Uh, I, I, I'm reading a lot about this topic, and I, and I and I read that a lot of you know people they they actually were depressed before, and gender dysphoria was just you know a symptom of yeah. their more you know broad depression. But unfortunately, they weren't treated very well by the gender clinic they you know who assessed them, and so that's why uh, I think it's very dangerous this law that they want to do now, the ban on uh, the ther uh, you know uh, conversion therapy. Because I think it will uh, bind the hands, you know, of these uh, psychotherapists, the good ones, of course, uh, and all the people who love, you know, especially the children, right? And who wants to tell them, are you sure, you know, that you're heterosexual, you know, who should assess their general, you know, uh, position. What do you think about this? this uh, uh, these ban? new laws, which is not just in, in the UK, it's mm. happening simultaneously across the world. This, mm. this, and think, who's driving this? But these laws I worry about. Uh, there, are, there are apparently protections for, uh, for allow people to quest, exploratory therapy for people who are questioning. But if a 10-year-old child comes in and says, I am convinced I am the opposite sex. Why you should what, affirm? Yeah, you, you, you'd be a very brave therapist, if the new laws go through, you'd be a very brave therapist to say, are you sure? And that, and that yeah. is really dangerous. We need to, uh, children need to understand themselves before, uh, before having any, uh, you know, any, any, uh, any surgery, any physical treatment. And I don't think they can understand themselves until they've reached adulthood. And I think we should put a stop on sure. all physical interventions on children. If you get to the age of 18 and you know what it means to be an adult and you still want this treatment, then we'll look into it. But we should just say no. I agree with you. So you think puberty blockers should be illegal for minors and 18 years old? I don't, th I don't think it's appropriate for children at all to be uh, prescribed that because the children are taking these drugs without knowledge of what it's actually, what it's actually stopping them becoming. Because yeah. as children, as, you, know, I remember, you, you, don't, you, don't know. you don't understand what it means to be an adult before you become an adult. Exactly. Even and 18 years old, actually, it's, it's, quite, well, it's quite young. You yeah. have children, you know. Uh, well, yeah, my children yeah. are now in their late teens, early 20s, and I've seen them grow up. It's say, well, I, I said come back at 18. I'd probably prefer to say come back at 25. But, exactly, uh, when the brain development. <laughs> yeah, when, when cognitive development yeah. has reached its uh, plateau at age 25. Yes. That's when we should be looking into this. Mm -hmm. But 18 is the age of majority, and you know, we, 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 we draw a line there for a, yeah. for a reason. But certainly we shouldn't be offering any treatment below age eight, 18. And if the treatment was just not available, my experience was it was the availability of treatment that drove the distress. If the treatment is not available, then that 
I believe will be the best way of countering this distress that these children are facing. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, because actually they say that the real conversion therapy is gender reassignment on children who are naturally gay and yeah. lesbian because they're actually, you know, cancelling them instantly. You know, they're, they're no more lesbian, you know, they, they become heterosexual or no more, no, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, right? It's terrible. Yeah. But it's so bad. It is. And it, all, and it works one way as well. You know, I was talking to a therapist who works with adults, mm. saying that, you know, you get a, a, a 30-year-old man comes in thinking of transitioning, and the man comes in and says, I, I, uh, I'm not sure whether I'm trans or not, whether transition is the right thing to do. If you were, he said, but, or says, I'm really struggling with this, I, I need you to help me, I need you to help me convince myself that transition is the right thing to do. Is that conversion therapy? But that's allowed. If a 30-year-old man comes in and says, I'm really struggling with these thoughts and I'm looking for somebody to help me live with this condition so I can keep my marriage, are you allowed to help that person? You should. You definitely should be. You should be able to. Yeah. And at that time, they may, that person may well say, I really want you to help me uh, lay, uh, uh, not transition. But as a therapist, you know that in 20 years' time, that person might come back yeah. and then accuse you of historical abuse because you were applying a conversion therapy to stop them transitioning, even though they wanted to do it. But it only works one way. Yeah, no, so it's terrible. I mm. hope our MPs uh, are actually watching this episode with you, are listening to your words. Eventually they will call you, you know, to talk, and, uh, because I think you, you definitely know more than us, you know, <laughs> what does it mean, you know, to go through all this. And it's not a joke, right? So it's, uh, it's much better to be, you know, an adult. And I don't think, you know, uh, Facing a good therapist who actually questions you is, is a huge problem. And definitely it's not, you know, conversion therapy. If someone no. is asking you if you are, you know, maybe autistic or bulimic or you had uh, sexual abuse, you were a victim of sexual abuse, this, is, this should be the normal, you know, it, it should job be. of a therapist. And I remember my, I, I had some therapy before I transitioned and my therapist uh, challenged me at every step. Yeah. And, this is how it works, therapy, and, right? And I, need, I needed yeah. that at the time. But I need it now because I look back, as I've said, I said, was transition the right thing to do? And I've said, if I knew in 2011 what I know now, I wouldn't have transitioned. But it was only because my therapist put me through the, uh, the mangle. Yeah. Like I, I now remember how I was feeling about that. And when she said, uh, when she said let's, let's put a block in front of transition, and let's look at the other alternatives. I was, at the time, I could, and I can remember how I felt about that. So I, can, I, I now know how necessary it was. If I hadn't had those counselling sessions, I'd be thinking now, did I really need to do this? But I did, because of the, 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 the mental state that I was in. But, as you said, you know, the, it's not, the surgery doesn't change anything. What I found has given me the peace is it's self-acceptance, and it's acceptance of who you are as a person. But that's what everyone needs to yeah. do. We need to love ourselves. Yeah. We and need to believe in ourselves and love our yeah. body. And, and people have said, when are you going to transition, Debbie? And I'm saying, well, what does it mean to transition? I, I may, this, this, this is who I am. I may continue my transition uh, on a different path, but to yeah. detransition involves going backwards. I can't go backwards. None of us can go backwards. But I can uh, perhaps I'll take a different path. But You can evolve. And you're yeah, already involved. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and I, I am me. And when people, when 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 people question question my gender, 
it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, I you know the most recent example of transphobia and I've written about this but I'll tell you the story the most recent example of transphobia came from a, a woman in her mid-60s who were at a tube station and she came up to me and I, I was I, I, I'm tall she was she yeah. was much shorter than me she, she peers up and says are you one of them blokes I thought what do you do with this so I said I said well yes so I am uh, and she said you're very convincing and I said, well, it's clearly not very convincing enough, am I not? <laughs> and, 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 and she said, good on you, and, and walked on her way. Now, that's, if that had happened uh, in the year after a transition, I would have been mortified. Okay. I would have been mortified. And, but gender surgery didn't help me get over that. What helped me get over that was, it's been, it's been able to accept yourself. Accept yourself for who I am. I'm... Uh, whether, you, whether I want to call myself a man, whether I want to call myself a trans woman, transsexual, male person. Who helped you to accept yourself? Therapy, your wife, your children, friends? Uh, the fact that my fam family and friends outside all this trans debate Ward never gave up on me. That helped. They stuck with me. So that, that helped. So I'm still the same person. I'm still the uh, human being that they've, they've always known. Uh, that helped. But it was it was the summer after the uh, after the surgery. I met with another transsexual who is no actually no longer in this debate. We, I just I just met that person once, and I remember I, I remember being told, oh the, the the opener was, Debbie. We got we got to talk about this, and I said yeah, and what what did what did uh, what did they say? Uh, you know those turfs? I said yeah, <laughs> and she said, I think they're right. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, this. <laughs> and and, and so I think they're right. And oh. it is nonsense. And there was there was there was there was three people and I have credited these these three before. Uh, I was given two videos to watch. There was a video by a philosopher, an academic philosopher called Re Rebecca Riley Cooper. Yeah, you know, she was she was a lecturer at Warwick University. And she'd given a talk on gender identity and actually been through it from a philosophical point of view to say that this was nonsense. And I remember watching this, and I had to turn it off. It was an hour-long YouTube clip, and I turned it off halfway through, and I thought, I can't watch this. I knew if I carried on watching it, I would either have to abandon intellectual honesty, because she was right, or change my way of thinking, or never think about it again. So I, I sat on it for about three days and watched the second half and thought, yes, you're right. So that was, that was from the intellectual point of view. And then there was, a, there, there was a video by the, uh, the feminist Magdalene Burns. Yeah. You may have come across Magdalene's videos. Yeah. You know, she was so superb. And, uh, her activism was, were, was just excellent. She was, she was brutal and, and vicious, but not necessarily unkind. She, she attacked ideas rather than people. But there was one takedown of... of Alex Drummond, who was working for Stonewall at the time, and it was just pointing out how sexist the ideology was. Yes, Alex, Alex was promoting this, but uh, the ideology which Alex was, uh, was promoting, this idea that, uh, that Alex had transitioned mm. but could still fix cars. And Macklin said, so women have never fixed cars? 
and it, it was just it was just how sexist this idea this idea this idea the ideology was so that so there was magdalene yeah. and then there was another transsexual called miranda yardley who uh, who was ahead of this you know their thinking was ahead of mine so Miranda was Miranda was ahead of this, and I've had conversations with Miranda in the past where, you know, we've had lots of conversations, and uh, there was I, I remember not we, we were, I, I, you know, I, I shut down all all diplomatic relations for for weeks at a time because of what Miranda was saying. It was but, the truth. But it was the truth. And the you truth felt hurt, it. and I yeah. I found it really difficult to accept that truth. I so desperately wanted to be a woman, and. I desperately wanted other people to believe that, other people to believe that, and I desperately wanted me to believe that other people believed it, and only then could I think about getting some peace. And what sort, what sort of way to live is that? And that's why, you know, I look at other, some other trans people, and I think... You, they suffer constantly. I just think, I just think yeah. you know, there's a better way to live. But I had to get over that hurdle to accept myself. Sure. Yeah, I'm a man. Uh, but what does it matter? So when, when a woman comes up at the tube and says, are you one of them blokes? You say, well, yes, so I am. And, uh, and we all go on our way, you know, no trauma involved. Yeah, that's fantastic. No, thank you, Debbie, for your honesty. It really means a lot. I, I, again, I think you're very brave to speak like this, you know, to tell the truth. Because unfortunately, this ideology, I think, is promoted uh, in a very extreme way many times by people who want to be kind only among themselves, not with women, certainly not with, you know, people who think differently from them, uh, certainly not with feminists. But actually, feminists, they, they can see the truth. And especially right now, I think they are trying to help everyone, you know. We don't want to be unkind with anyone. We just want to stop this, you know, harassment uh, against women, because this is not right. Yeah, this is not kind. But, but it's, <laughs> we, it's not kind to tell lies to people. Yeah, that, that's the uh, that's what we're saying is if 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 to be kind, you have to tell lies, yeah. then we've got a big problem. It is. It is a big problem. You're right. So it's all, you know, based on denial. It's all based on lies. And yeah. do you think it's a cult? this uh, ideology? Oh, it's definitely a cult because, it, well, I say it's definitely a cult, I've, I've jumped straight in there. It's a, it, it's a pseudo-religion. Yeah. It, uh, it has its belief system. You know, there's, there's these beliefs that we all have this gender identity. You know, religion might have souls. This has got gender yeah. identity. It has its creed. You know, in Christianity, we'd say yeah, that uh, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Whereas this has got its creed that trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people yeah. are valid. Uh, it's got its uh, priestly class. It's got the trans people who have the special knowledge of what it means to be trans and the people you've not got to uh, upset. It's got the... Uh, and they want know. to impose this yeah, yeah. on everyone. Yeah. That's the point, yeah. right? And it's got... It's got the likes of Stonewall, who Stonewall say anything and everybody jumps. You know, it, they're like the Vatican. You know, the Vatican gives out an edict. Yeah, it's so, actually worse than the Vatican. Yeah, <laughs> it is, but, but, the Vatican used to do the crusades in the yeah, past, you yeah. know, now they stopped. Yeah, but this, this you know, you look at these parallels. It's, yeah. it, it, is an, it is a pseudo-religion. And it, and, it, and it deals with apostates in the same way that uh, religions deal with apostates, yeah. as I know. Yeah, it's really terrible because, of course, we don't care. You know, if you want to believe in a religion, fine. You know, you're free. 
uh, if, we, if you believe in freedom, right, as we do. But what really bothers me about these, you know, trans extremists is that they want to impose their way of thinking on everyone. They really want to offend you and attack you if you're not thinking the same of them. This is outrageous, honestly. Look what they did to Kathleen Stock. Yeah. You know, look what they're doing to free speech in universities. Mm. I really think we should stop this ideology to harm people because it's really harming a lot of people, you know. Then if someone wants to believe in that, fine, you know. I'm happy but for them. If they're happy, I'm happy for yeah. them. If you want to believe in something, fine. We don't stop people believing in something. Yeah. But it's the, it, it's the insistence that everybody else believes it too. Yeah. And that's what's dangerous. And it's that imposition, imposing your belief system on other people. And that's, that's regressive and that's dangerous. And it is, it, it's endemic in parts of society. Yes. And if, uh, if the grown-ups don't... Uh, don't step in and say enough yes then this isn't going to stop you know people need to take responsibility and leaders in society need to take responsibility to lead society yeah. not to uh, hope this is going to go away by itself because it won't go away it by won't. itself exactly so debbie if you could speak now with our prime minister what would you tell him gender identity doesn't exist it's good that, 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 that's, that's the basis of it. Take away gender identity and what's left. You're left with people with various psychological conditions that are causing them, to, causing them distress. Prime Minister, will you please properly fund mental health services and gender services so that the people who are suffering this distress can get the help they need? It's unacceptable to leave people dangling on long wait lists for years. Uh, but... We do not, by taking gender, at the same time as taking gender identity away, you do have to support people because the people are still there. And we need to, we need to get gender identity out of, out of schools and out, sorry, gen, we need to get gender ideology away from children because it is harming children. Uh, hopefully, we will solve these problems. We will, we will come out at the far side. Women are, women are suffering. Women are, lo women are losing the uh, words to describe their own oppression, but that's recoverable and will be recovered. But if children have been sterilised, if children have been traumatised through childhood, they, that's for life. And they're only going to live, people only live once. And we need to deal with this now before more children are harmed. Thank you, Debbie. I think uh, you are amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really, it means a lot. I hope uh, other trans women and also trans men will come out, you know, and, uh, and, and think like you are thinking and speak like you're speaking, because I think this really helps the debate. And I hope all this, you know, anger and uh, hatred that I, that I see around, you know, will, will stop eventually one day. And I also hope, uh, you know, we will have more brave people, you know, speaking up, you know, both, you know, trans and non-trans uh, i hate the word cis so yeah. we don't even go there yeah. <laughs> but yeah so thank you so much for coming here and i hope uh, we will have you here another time okay. eventually uh, you know in one year's time so we can check what what happened and if uh, our mps change something and uh, if uh, our society will become more tolerant and a better place for everyone especially for women thank you so much Thank you everyone for being here with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you like Debbie as much as I like her. 
So don't forget to write a comment and to share on all your social media and with your friends. And stay tuned for other episodes, very interesting ones with amazing guests. Thank you and see you soon. Thank you.